0: Okay,
1: cinema you get my guest my returning guest today andrew david barker he's an author screenwriter and director known for his novels the electric dead leaves the winterman society place and for his post-apocalyptic micro budget feature a reckoning plus he's been doing a whole lot That's why I've got him back. He's been doing a whole lot, making short films in the interim. Andrew David Barker, welcome back, and welcome for the first time to Cinema Yugen.
0: Hello. Hi. It's good to be
1: back, Ken. How's how's things? Are you well? Mate, if I was any better, I'd be putting it in bottles and selling it on uh, TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sheila, it's the it's the mystery, you only need to use it once a day, and after two weeks, you're going to feel repercussions, you're going to feel better, more testosterone,
2: oh, the, all those sorts yeah, of the things. Yeah, the Sheila, elixir of life.
1: Yep, the, yes, yeah, it's known as the elixir of life, yeah, all that good stuff.
2: <laughs> it's been a while, man, it's good to see you.
1: You've been, you've been very, very busy, I've been, I've been following you. Making all these short
2: films. Oh yeah, well it's yes. Like I like to keep. I like to keep me head out of you know me out above <laughs> water. Keep keep me. Keep yourself out of trouble. You know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, it's it's one of those. It's it's a constant drive to do something. I don't know where it comes from, and there's no simple path. There's no. It's no straight path, I know that. It's just it's, – it's a winding river. It's just – you're just try, trying to cling on and see what works and what doesn't, you know, and see what happens. I don't know why I'm babbling already. It's brilliant. Good start. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, you're absolutely – look, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. There is, um, as, as I said to another uh, gentleman in an interview recently, I said it's, um, it's rather like – the best analogy I had was – it's rather like uh, a bunch of people blindfolded standing up a glass against a glass wall and feeling for tiny little cracks openings in the glass, mm-hmm. kind of like the mirror in the Matrix. And then all of a sudden, a crack will open and you'll slip through. But no two people get through the same crack at the same time. What do
2: you think? Uh, Yeah, I like that. I'm in that. Um, I don't know why that that the the glass. The glass wall in um, *Time Bandits* just came into my head, where they have to smash it to get through. Yeah. Uh, that just fla- flashed in there, but um, great film that is. Yeah, yes, I think that's right. There's no, there's just no, uh, there's no way of knowing really when you when you start something if it's going to work or not. They're just they are wild stabs in the dark. All of this stuff, but you know, you just keep going and. I'm learning a lot and having a lot of fun, and that's the main thing.
1: That's true. And, I mean, you hit, uh, as I say to people, you always hit speed bumps along the way you think. You think ridden, and then you're not, and then it's hot, and then it's rot, and then, you know, I mean, uh, you, uh, sometimes I feel like the the little chicken weather vane that used to be on my grandfather's roof that used to point the which way the wind was, you know, like, going this way. Yeah. You know, um,
2: mm-hmm. but, um... it's it, it's amazing how quick it can change as well. Like um, three months ago, I was I, I I was in a very good position. I thought it was all happening um, right. on a number on a number of things, which I'll probably get get to you later. Right. And then all of a sudden, they were gone. <laughs> <laughs> it was just <laughs> just like that, in the space of a week. I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess that's that then.
1: That um, well, line was nice, but it turned out to be a budget chain motel where you spend a night and not a fortune.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's been it's, – the past couple of years have been interesting. I sort of embraced filmmaking again after I've, – I've done it in stops and starts, and, and by the very nature of how I do it, it's all sort of, it's all DIY filmmaking. And it's all very much, I design films by almost, I almost find a location first and then write to order. I, I make sure that I know that I can make that film as simply as possible. And they're what I call beg, borrow and steal films, you know. And I, I, I think I've probably reached the limit now. I, I either... I either stop doing it or push it over to the next level. Right. Yeah. But that's, we'll get to that later as well. But it, it, it's, um, it's, it's, I was writing for a long time. And then I, the last sort of two years, I've just, I think I've made like three, three shorts in the last year and a half. Yeah. Which, you know, in the grand scheme of things, probably isn't a lot. But when you factor in all the other stuff that I'm doing, you know still got the day job I'm still writing on scripts and novels and I've got that side of things going and various other things and also I've got a family and it's 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 sort of one thing one film after another it seems to be I finish post on one and immediately start on the next it's been it's been good fun and I I kind of don't want to stop now, whereas before I'd make a film and then just sort of stop for a bit. Oh, I've done that now. And I'd stop for ages, and then it'd take me ages to get back and, you know, get it back up to speed and get the engines going on the next thing. Whereas what I found is if I just keep going from one to the other, the momentum's already going. And you can, you know, and I've got, I've met a lot of great people that are, that are well up for doing stuff, and it's been it's been good. It's been it's been really good, but of course now I've got to the point where I'm wondering: Do I carry on doing this, or do I try and push it into using those sort of principles that I've set up for myself? Of you know, finding a location, doing, writing to order, doing something as simply as possible. And then shoot for a few more days and go for a feature. That's that's the that's the thinking at the minute.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but we'll see. I've kind of kind of gone back and forth on it yeah. because before, when I made a reckoning,
0: yeah.
2: the landscape was completely different. As you know, it was a long time ago when I made a reckoning. There were still video shops right yeah (laughs) That's how long ago it was yeah yeah, yeah. so and also i was so naive i was just like oh brilliant i've I've made a film that's it never thinking a minute about where that film's going to go who's who's going to be interested in it how it's going to be distributed how it's going to be seen and I think now, if I was to do another film, I'd have to know all those elements. I'd have to know all those things, or otherwise it's pointless. Yes. Because there's so many films that get made and lost hmm. because no one's really thought about where it's going to go, how it's going to be sold, it's and it's you know it's it's a lot to sort of figure out. So on the one hand, you've you've got to you've got to find that idea that is simple enough to do, but also um hopefully a strong enough idea that will that it will um feel beyond its budgetary constraints yes and and so that's that's a tall order in itself Mm -hmm. and then beyond that you've got to make sure that that idea that you can do Mm -hmm. but also has that um commercial appeal can then sell and be seen either through streaming vod or you know there's so many platforms at the minute hmm. and yet at the same time i'm still i've still got this old empire way of thinking hmm. of video shops and dvds and stuff and that's all gone yeah. like i was still trying to get my head around that you know films just didn't exist diz- digitally now and I yeah. still, still trying to struggle with that. Yeah. I'm old, you see.
1: Yeah, you know. mate, I, okay. mate, I know when, when my um, I, I, I felt kind of like I've often felt that as I pass through the different levels, they close in behind me and the only reason <laughs> to say that is when, when Righteous Blood came out on DVD at the end of last year it had already been out in DVD in America, and a few friends had seen it at Walmart and sent photographs. Oh. And but yeah, nice. when, I was, when I was walking through past, the, it's shut down now. It was like a, it was like a DVD, CD, general paraphernalia kind of store like that, and it literally closed at Christmas time. But it was open like long enough for me to walk past, and there was, well, was a righteous blood on the shelf, which was pretty cool. Oh, wow.
2: But um, because, you know... I I've mean, never I, experienced that. I've you know, yep. been waiting my whole life for that.
1: It was it like, it, to... it was as close as I was ever going to get, I felt, to, like, a movie coming out all over the country. But as close as I was, I was going to get to seeing, a like, having a movie come out on video, you know. Um, because if this had happened, say, back in the 80s instead of now, Righteous Blood would have gone straight to video, which would have been... Absolutely, the bee's knees for me. Even better than going to the theater by coming out on. being yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah.
1: So I, I agree. I was very, I was, I was extraordinarily surprised and very grateful that that happened because I didn't, I didn't believe it because of how small the film was, um, and the fact that the only real selling point in it was the fact that Michael Pare was in it would would get, get it that kind of release. So I was. Shocked, you know, but of course, two months later that shop closed down, so there's nowhere to get. Uh,
2: so how to- how was it seeing an actor of that calibre um, saying lines that you've written?
1: Oh, that's the as <laughs> as, as another <laughs> writer friend of mine said. That's 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 the juice. I mean, you live to see you you live to type something and have someone you live to type something and have someone of quality. I was just literally talking with Michael Carey uh on the weekend. The first time we spoke.
2: He didn't uh, as you do, as you do, yeah. <laughs> when you move in your circles, man, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh stop it! My, my circle. He didn't even know he didn't even know I existed. Rene had told him that he wrote all the scripts himself. So he was he was a bit shocked to learn that there was another monkey with a typewriter sitting in the background. <laughs> Um, and I said, no, nah, that's me. I'm I'm that other bloke. And I showed him a close-up of the thing. And I said, well, that's yeah, – because we were talking about IMDb. He says, oh, you shouldn't believe everything. You and I'm like uh, – I said, it says you've got 40 films coming out. He says, "Yeah, you'll believe everything you read on IMDb." And I said, "Well, on IMDb it says I wrote a script for you, and that's my story, and I'm sticking with it." <laughs> no, so whenever true. it comes up, the job, like, "Oh, what have you written before?" Oh, I wrote a Western with Michael Paré. What are you talking about? Yeah. I think so? Well, you did. You did technically. That's it. Well, we weren't in the same room, but then again, I've been working remotely as it turns out for about 20 years.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well Renee shoot Rene shoots everything in America, is not he? He's yeah. a, he's, a, he's based in America, isn't he?
1: Yeah. I mean and and yeah. it was a great look, it, it was uh, it was a for as much as I knew about screenwriting and I've I've never really had like a formal screenwriting lesson or class or anything like that. I've read some of the books and the, the literature that you can get. But it was really a blast furnace uh, to learn in because you're learning. There's the stuff about screenwriting you know, but there's a a technique which you have learned from probably the way you make film is reverse engineering with a screenplay. And that's saying, look, we only have X, Y, Z. We only have X amount of cast. We've only got 12 days. This is what we have. This is what has to be in the script. There's, there's no a,
2: again, it's working to your limitations. Yeah, no your
1: good, yes. And there's absolutely no good rotting sequences I found out and stuff, because he just throws it out. Not nah, too <laughs> nut, nah, can't do that. Nut nah, can't do nights. Nut nah, can't do this, right? <laughs> wow. It sounds it sounds to, to most people who want to do this, it doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Oh, well, where's the creativity? Well, the creativity basically when you have to take a very limited number of elements. It's like some authors will tell you there's there's more of a creative challenge in writing a really good short story as opposed to a novel because a novel you've got pages that you can go on for days, but with a short story there's a little bit more craft involved because you have to you have to be selective. you not you decided that you're not going to to tell the story over you know a hundred thousands of words. You're going to do
2: like, yeah, I, I think they they are harder, and short stories are very a uh, a lot more akin to the structure, I think, of or mm. the flavour of of film of yeah. screenplays as opposed to novels. Um, it is it's that finite amount of time it's telling a story and having that story move mm. um, to rattle along within its limited time frame. It's a trick. It really is a trick. Yeah, sure. And especially when you've got limited budget. I work in the micro budget film world and yeah. you're just constantly thinking around corners. You know, it's it's constantly working out what can be done within this small parameter and how to make that work and elevate it. Yeah. It's it is a trick and it doesn't always work. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it does. Sometimes you get. Oh,
1: sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't. But uh, I mean, there's um, there's something to be said for it though, because I definitely think that the few, If there is a if there is a bright future out there, it's in this independent world. I think that it's the last neighbourhood in town where okay, they have to be genre films, but you can still experiment with ideas, albeit on on a on a lower level. But it's encouraging to think that Gareth, uh, or sorry, not Gareth, Gareth Edwards, has made an eight million dollar, an eighty million dollar film, which looks like a two hundred million dollar film, and kind of goes back to proving well, we used to make these kind of smaller films that were in the sort of thirty to eighty million dollar range, and with the (laughs) He's basically showing us with the toys that we have today, it's still possible and we can still make them look really, really,
0: really, really epic. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: I hope the film does well. And it shows that it can be done on that level.
0: Yeah.
2: And you don't need to spend. I mean, we've seen this year that, you know, when they're throwing 300 million Mm. at all these massive tentpole films, they can't, just can't recoup it. It's impossible. So you've had flop after flop, particularly by Disney. it cost a fortune, it's just unsustainable. It's just collapsing. And add to that the strikes, it just seems like the wheels have just come off that level of film. And great, I'm happy. It needs to come back. I mean, we were talking the other day. Like, I me and my mate were like, "What happened to those lovely sort of 10 million, 20 million comedies? Where are they gone? Just disappeared." And you just, like you say, he's made a a, a sci-fi, a massive sci-fi film for eighty million. Which you know, if that works, I really hope it does because that will show that. And if you if you can if you could lower that budget even more and still with the tools we have today, make films on that scale, hmm. then it's all better are off. Then we can go back to actually making some really interesting films
0: yeah,
2: and not have to, you know, cater for everyone, which of course is an impossibility. Oh, oh even look,
1: you, you, you read it when, whenever there's, Whenever there's the embargo, whenever the embargo is lifted on these films and the reviews come out and people are really honest, um, there's 10 people that say it's the most, the best thing since sliced bread, but each one of them say a completely different reason why they liked it. Um, so there's no point in trying to say, look, I'm trying to make a universal film that's going to suit everyone from 18 to 65. Um, those, those, I believe, are sometimes a genuine fluke. I don't think you can engineer a film perfectly. No. I might be wrong. There's probably an AI, an AI out there that can. But <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I really want some smart ass to get a hold of AI and say, write an Oscar-winning screenplay and then make it and see if it actually wins an Oscar. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. We've opened a can of worms now. We've opened the AI can of worms. Yeah. I don't know. Like, what and literally consciously
1: what? Like, make a documentary about it. Like someone. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That'd be great. An
1: and go to, like, get someone serious involved, like, I don't know, Spielberg or someone like that, and say, look, we sat down with an AI and we got on a <laughs> replay. You direct this. And, and at the end of it, we won't. We, we, we won't tell anyone that an AOI wrote it, and if it wins an Oscar, we'll stand up and say, who won this? And then we'll wheel out my laptop <laughs> <laughs> and, put the, and put the Oscar on top of the laptop and have an elegant yeah. speech or something, <laughs> you know?
2: Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to that Oscar ceremony. Uh, Like, I'm done with the Oscars, but I'll watch that one.
1: (laughs) That (laughs) would be good, you You know. Yeah, the the AI awards, and and it's just a bunch of laptops rolled out, and they put the awards on top of it, and they just roll off. Like, (laughs) this computer is responsible for several films, it's been nominated three
2: times in this category, and its first win. (laughs) (laughs) What's worrying is that you, you know. You could be saying something that could very well come true. Well, look if 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 um if
1: if it if all it is if all it is is the same thing, like you can scan anything into it, like in weird science, and and <laughs> Kelly the block shows up. And <laughs> <laughs> Why are we wearing bras on our heads?
2: It's <laughs> that's that's my that's my getting in from the pub on a Friday night. A little bit tipsy. That's my that's my go to film. Oh, weird science! Yeah. yeah, weird science. I'll, I'll if I come if I, I it's very rarely go out these days, but if I do come in past uh, last orders, that's the film I will throw on on a Friday night. And remember what it felt like to be fifteen. Fantastic. And happy days, happy happy days.
1: You can pitch you yeah. alone in the dark, simly sozzled watching that. hi dudes Wyatt I'm sorry (laughs) oh shit to you all these years
2: well because my wife's five years younger than me so she doesn't quite it's amazing the cultural references that we both have that she's completely lost on a lot of my cultural references and John Hughes films certainly passed her by so she she never saw it back in the day and I think I we got in from the pub one night, I was like, Yeah, let's watch Weird Science. She lasted 10 minutes before she went to bed. She's not having any of that. I stayed up and loved every minute of it. <laughs> um <clears throat> yeah.
1: For me, for me, that was kind of like that, that's kind of a suggestion of what's of what's happening now. Like as soon as someone said oh, they're, they're feeding all this stuff into a computer and, and the AI can do anything, I thought, Oh, it's it's like weird science, you know. <laughs> Pretty
2: soon, you yeah. Well, who you knows where it's all going, man? I mean, I, w- I went down the rabbit hole a little bit earlier in the summer, um, and started watching and listening to a lot of stuff about AI and some very prestigious people predicting how awry and disrupt- uh, disruptive this could be, mm. and. It scared the hell out of me <laughs> to be honest you know and i've had to sort of step away from reading or watching anything now because mm. it was it was not it was not good for my head <laughs> yeah. you, you know when it says you can you know every job is just going to be gone and look look at the more the
1: more i read into it it is it is scary to think that the act of creative writing, and this isn't screenplays or novels or being a published author, any of that sort of stuff. People have been journaling for their own peace of mind. Yeah. For, for, for many a year and, and and writing letters. And and it was like I was saying to someone the other day, we've we've passed that generation where there are going to be books published of letters that wrote, people wrote to one another.
0: And yeah, they
1: yeah. Publishing books full of emails, if you know what I mean. Yeah, oh, God. yeah. Or, or, or Instant messages. <laughs> this is a collection of instant messages between
2: <laughs> the collection the of snaps.
1: in the last years of their lives. Um, yeah. It's uh, it just sounds a bit silly, but yeah, yeah, it is scary to think that there's a machine you can say you can feed it. A novel by Robert Louis Stevenson to say, "Hey, writer, science fiction in in the form of Robert Louis Stevenson," and it farts it out in five minutes. Yeah, that's scary to think that 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 could have been a, a writer's job. Say, how to adapt Robert Louis Stevenson for a science fiction? You know, and and automatically a guy's or a girl's or whoever's job is taken away by a machine that's just faster, quicker,
0: better. Yeah, I,
1: I mean, there's there's one tiny glimmer that, that I hang on to and it was something that um, that Rod, Roger Ebert said electronically because his voice was taken away and that he missed telling jokes because a computer doesn't have any nuance.
0: Yeah.
1: I, and I yeah. think that, yeah, a computer might be able to write a script in the form of Robert Louis Stevenson really fast. But if you've read any, yeah. of, the stuff, any of the stuff that AI has spat out, there's no nuance to it. There's, there's no there's no heart. There's no heart. It, 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 is, it, is, it does feel like something. It does read like something written by a machine. Yeah. You know. So that's my one little sort of, I think the saving grace at the end of the game is a machine. No, I, I agree. You know, I, I grant look, I grant you they'll probably find a way for it to, to get nuance eventually. But I think that human beings hopefully would still be able to tell the difference. We'll leave AI on the table where it belongs at the moment and get back to uh, a, a more friendly topic that I like. Kick and, it to uh, the curb. HI, which is human ingenuity. And uh, and talk about everything you've been up to from, uh, look, Shorts, Two Old Boys, Shining Tour. Uh, how would you like to pay here, Lies? Uh, you got a Baby on board and also uh, you've written um, a screenplay, the, the Wilding, is it?
2: That's right, yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been a busy couple of years. Certainly the last sort of two years, I'd say, I was really embracing, I really decided to embrace filmmaking again. Mm. I made a couple of shorts, like, you know, in about 2018, 2019. Shining Tour did particularly well out of those. <clears throat> and then I, I kind of stopped, and I probably shouldn't have. I probably should have just carried on. So I decided this time, and then I did my usual thing of going away and writing and Mm. working on novels. And then I decided this time, I said, well, if I'm going to make some films, then I just need to keep going. And they started, again, I I felt like I was starting from scratch, so they started very simply. Um, The first one sort of coming back was how would you like to pay which I shot on the roof of my house, the roo- on my extension. See? Um, Human ingenuity. Absolutely. And I just thought, you know, keep it as simple as possible. It's a man on a phone film with a debt collector trying to, you know, get money out of him. And um, of which <laughs> that aspect is probably quite autobiographical because I had a lot of debt collectors chasing me in the early 2000s. But that's another story. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that was, you know, I know a couple of great actors and we, we just, a cold January night just shot it on my roof and it turned out really well, um, for what it was very simple, very quick. And we just got it done. It was an exercise in just getting something done. And then from that, um, kind of uh rolled into here lies which was a bit more elaborate and then straight from there rolled into baby on board and baby on board was interesting because it's the first film that i've directed that i haven't written
0: Mm.
2: and i was lucky enough to direct a script written by stephen volk a great screenwriter who wrote um gothic and the awakening and most famously particularly in this country for ghost watch uh-huh. a sort of um mockumentary that was screened in britain in on halloween 1992 and it was posed as like a an actual sort of um an actual sort of uh reality tv show i suppose you could say it was about you know uh, a haunting uh in this it was based on the Enfield Poltergeist, which is a very famous story in, in Britain in 1977 1978. And it was, po- and we had sort of British staples of British TV presenting it. Michael Parkin, uh, um, yeah, Parky, was presenting, and Sarah Green, who was on sort of kids' TV in on right. Saturday mornings. And
1: this isn't the one with Derek, uh, is it? Is?
2: No, no, that's most haunted. That came afterwards, and that's very much, um, that's very much sort of influenced by Ghost Watch. Yeah. Um, I don't. Do you know um, Inside Number Nine? Reese Shear Smith and mm. Steve Pemberton. They also did the League of Gentlemen. Oh, right. I don't know if you get that. Out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. So those guys love Ghost Watch. They they've they've been influenced quite a lot from it, and it's very much you know, one of the first sort of found, in a way, is one of the first found footage films as well in a, in a, in a strange kind of way. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so he's very famous for doing that. And uh, he's also written novels and everything. So, but I was very, you know, I've got to know him over the years and um, he's sort of been watching what I've been doing, which is, you know, making shorts, um, doing them on on sort of next nothing but sort of the what I call my beg borrow and steal films right. because you know I you know I get um, I, I've got crew that I can sort of uh, call up and I know a good staple of actors now yeah. just through years of building up networks and you know if you ask in the right way people are willing to do stuff mm-hmm. you know um, and
1: we will be you team,
2: know, but- yeah, tea and, tea and crumpets, tea and, and crumpets you know,
1: for everyone who tells. Yeah,
2: we, yeah, we got we got pizza on the last on baby on board. Oh. Free pizzas we managed to blag and oh, um, to yeah, keep everyone happy. And you know, you're you're going to be good. But, but um, yeah, so um, so he sort of got in touch and he said, "Look, I've written this short story called Baby on Board, and I think it's kind of a two-hander in a in a cafe." And I think he was thinking of. A short film i made called two old boys which was just you know two old blokes in a pub talking yeah. and as simple as possible you know uh, as simple as i could make something and um i think he was thinking of that and um he'd also seen sort of shining tour i think and he'd he's read a few of my novels which is kind of amazing and like them so anyway he said do you want to have a stab at it? I was like, yeah, sure. You know, I'll read it. And if it's, if I think it's doable, I'll be up for it. Yeah. So now it goes, you know, if you look at his IMDb, you know, he's and you look at the directors that have, you know, made Stephen Volk screenplays, you've got Ken Russell, William Friedkin, because he wrote The Guardian as well, and and uh, various other people. And then you've got me. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So anyway, um, I've lost my thread now. But uh, yeah, so that was kind of an honour. And it's actually turned out really well. We've got a a great couple of actors. It looks really good. It feels like like a real grown-up film. (laughs) Because <laughs> it's probably probably because it's not okay. one of my stupid ideas, so it, it just feels like a, you know probably my most professional work. And I'll be in fact I'm editing tomorrow night. Right. We're finishing off. We're getting the titles on, and I'm I've got all the score wow. uh, record written and recorded by my uh, usual uh, composer Reese Morris. He's got all that done, so we're placing we're putting all the music in. And so it will essentially be done tomorrow and Mm. then it's just colour grading and we should be there. And, um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited to see what it does. You never know, you know, it's, you never know what, you know, I'll go the festival route with it and you're never really sure if it's going to take off or not. Like Shining Tour Mm. played around the world and, you know, just got, Almost in every festival I entered, whereas other films just don't, and I've, I've never really figured out why or what the what the reasoning is because they don't sort of give you feedback. The festival things a real gamble I've found like um, if you're using film freeways, which you know filmmakers on my level really have no other choice
0: mm.
2: it's an expensive gamble. these these festivals charge you to enter and you have to be really careful about who you're entering to and i've seen like every day probably on twitter and now they've seemed to have discovered me on instagram as well i get festivals around the world saying we we love your stuff um we want you to enter into our festival here's a discount code 50 percent discount code And then I've gave up doing it now, but I used to sort of go in to film freeways then and see and work out how much it will be with the discounts, discount code. And it could still be like 60 quid. And I'm just like, just to enter, there's no guarantee that you're getting in. I was just like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. (laughs) So anyway, but that's another story I've I've trailed off into that. But yeah, it's been, it's been a winding journey, but I've, I've sort of made these three films on the bounce, and I kind of, I, I've kind of come to like. I had a bit of a crisis over the summer. I was kind of thinking, well, I think I've gone as far as I can go with these DIY short films, <clears throat> and I was genuinely wondering, do I do I carry on, or do I just stop now? Because to go to the next level now is to either make a more elaborate. F- short, which is going to be like trying to raise funds and, you know, the amount of work and time that's going to go into that, I may as well, surely I just may as well just make a feature. Mm. Um, so my, my thinking now is to just try and get a micro budget feature off the ground. Um, just applying everything that I've learned over the last 10 years making these shorts. And uh, and all the all the stuff I learnt on a reckoning as well, I must have learnt about four films worth of knowledge on that thing. Yeah. And then um, it, but the, the, my 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 what I'm trying to figure out is what I didn't do last time. And when I made a reckoning, the world, the landscape was completely different. Yes, we still have video shops when I made that film. Yes, <laughs> That's how long ago it was. These kids that have grown up now who don't even know what they are. And that's, you know, it's it's a completely different landscape. And what I didn't do when I made that film is in my naivety, I was just like, oh, I've just, I've gone to make a film. I've made a film. That's it. I've done. Yeah. But the uphill battle to, to try and get that film out in the world, I, I just never, I never sort of, you know, accounted for that. So now if I'm going to do it again, particularly now my life is completely different. You know, I've got a mortgage, I'm married, I've got kids now. I was I was free and single back when I made that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I couldn't do it like I did before. And also I'd really need to know where this film is going to go, who it's going to sell to. And I've figured out as well that I can't be ambiguous. Like, A Reckoning is a pretty weird film, and I, it's probably weirder than I really set out to make. You couldn't I don't think you could have that ambiguity now and, and still get yeah. it out in the world. I think it needs to be a straight genre film and it, if it's gonna be a horror film or whatever or a thriller or whatever it needs to actually be that and you know do what it says on the tin um, otherwise it's it's just not going to sell you know yeah, and this fact of you know this kind of climate now. Hmm. And I'm only thinking of films that I, you know, on my level. Hmm. But I think that translates to almost everything now, That's from true. the bottom to the very top. That's true. If it's not okay. a drama forget it. Um, so, yeah, I, so I'm going to be spending the winter writing, and I'm working on a script at the minute um, that I'm co-writing with my mate Dave Bryant, who's made a um a few great um, little micro budget uh, features. His last film, Splinter, was really good that he made very much DIY. Mm. Anyway, me and Dave writing this, this horror film, and it, he said something to me not long ago about my shorts. He said, yeah, they're all very nice and everything, but they um, they could be like too nice. You're not leaning into the genre enough. You need to, you know, and I I think Baby on Board might suffer that fate as well. It's not, it's kind of a ghost story, but it's not. It's more of a talky drama, which are a hard sell now. I think it's a very good film and it's a really good script. But, you know, it's, it may be that I've not listened to my own sort of advice there. You know, it's not genre enough um it's sort of in between here lies the same thing it's it's kind of neither here nor there so the exercise with writing this feature that we're writing at the minute is very much a you know a horror film and a, a fun kind of friday night horror film you know and we'll you know we'll see if it works and it's all designed to be very doable you know one location few characters and uh lots of uh, blood and fun You know, so we'll see, we'll see. So I'm just going to write a few scripts over the, over the, over the winter.
1: Right, yeah.
2: See where the land lies in the new year.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's, um, you're definitely right on, on that, on that score as far as, um, the landscape is, is relatively similar. Like a lot of people, um. Asked me with the filmmakers that I've worked with, you know, oh, how do I get a script to Made or whatever? And I was like, well, these guys, in all honesty, don't really get to pick the films that they make. They are very much in contact, uh, heavily in contact, in fact, with distributors, and they ask them point blank, what do you want? Not what do you like, what do you want? Yeah. Action, yeah. horror, science fiction, you name it. Because uh, yeah. whatever, whatever the distributors are hunting, that's what they're going to make. Because they're not going to gamble on, uh, you know, as back in the old days, like you say, you make a film, oh yeah, I've made a film and you put it out there, and yeah, I'm set. I'm a filmmaker. Wow. And you don't really think about where that, what, what the audience is, what the market is, where is it going to go, who's going to watch it, is anybody going to watch it, and yeah. and these guys, it's all reverse engineering from. From what sets do we have? What assets do we have? What actors do we have? And then write a film around all that in the genre yeah. that the distributors want. So it's not it's not like the old days where you sit and oh yeah, dream up a great script and you send it off and and someone sees it, believes it, makes it, and and the rest is history. I mean, it's very much a, a calculated experience today. Yeah. Nothing is, nothing is done on, on a blind roll of the dice. There's always elements, there's a whole lot of elements that come into play before a film is even put into development because it's got to have somewhere to go because they're not going to spend any money uh, unless it has a place to, uh, to...
2: Yeah, yeah, and that's the that's the fact. The, the film that I've just co-written, The Wild In, which... We're supposed to shoot in September but then you know as these things often happen you know it's been delayed slightly because of money but it looks like it is shooting in October now at least parts of it are going to start shooting in October There's going to be like it's, it's in sections, so there's going to be some of it shot in October some of it in November and then the rest will be in the new year hopefully that's how it stands at the minute it could all change tomorrow anyway as these things are. But anyway, that's that's very much a um, – it's a really good idea. It was an idea by the director, Adam Park, and um, I, I sort of co-wrote the, the script with him. And it, it, it's got some heavy sort of zeitgeisty ideas in it, but it's still very much a genre film. It's very much – leaning towards that that, uh, horror crowd and it's i think it's a lot of fun i really hope it gets made Um, but i think that's just slightly the film that adam's making is slightly above what i'm thinking of making it's a slightly above the level that i'm thinking i'm thinking of really stepping back and doing you know doing something very very small with a few few people but really probably even leaning into the genre more than even the wilding does um, and yeah it's as you say it's a calculated idea and I've never really written like that before mm. but as I as I've got older mm. realised that I haven't made a feature film you know for I don't even know how, what, when did that film. When I shot that film in 2009, and it came out in 2011. Oh. So it's a long time. It's like two decades ago now. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? So if I'm if I'm ever going to make another film, I need to really be, you know, as you put it, calculating about it. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Or, is, or or I could just make whatever I want, but it's not going to sell, and no. I'll just put it on prime and it'll just get lost um so it's very it's yeah there's been a lot of thinking about this and and trying to look at what other filmmakers are doing there's a whole sort of sort of indie horror scene in in the uk at the minute with a lot of filmmakers Mm. really making these very low budget horror films and a lot of them There's a film, these filmmakers that are making film after film in this country, Mm. and they're getting them distributed. And you know, a a lot of them are still coming out on DVD. Mm. (laughs) You find them in the bottom shelf of um, your local supermarkets over here,
0: Mm.
2: and all got covers that suggest. Uh, a, a far larger budget than they've actually got. That's true. <laughs> and, yeah, but but then, you know, they're getting up every morning and making films and they're calculated films. They're always mainly horror films. Mm-hmm. A lot of um, sort of scary Victorian doll films I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, a, there's one I watched the other night, uh, a guy called Lawrence Fowler. He's making films called The Jack in a Box, which are quite quite fun. And they're, they're what a friend of mine, Will Higo, described as Airbnb films. Okay. Um, Will's a, a filmmaker. He, right. he made a, a horror film called The Group, which played Fright Fest last year. But anyway, he was saying they're like Airbnb films, bec- horror films, because they basically get a, an idea and then they go and find a location via Airbnb <laughs> and just up to these places, like an old manor house or something. i right. just go make a film there. Why not? And it's quite amazing. And there's loads of people in this country doing it. Why not? And I'm thinking, well, if they're doing it, why can't I do it?
1: Hmm. Have you seen the documentary about Jim Ranorsky called Popatopoulos?
2: No, but I'd like to. Yeah. Um,
1: yes. that's that's exactly what he did. He, he uh, just basically went and rented a house. Of course, he was making um like a softcore or uh, a Playboy Channel kind of movie. But, uh, yeah, basically just went and rented a house, got everyone around there. They stayed there while they filmed it over the weekend.
2: Boom, you know. Amazing. Yeah, Well, they've applied that then to to, to sort of doing horror films in this country. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of them being made, and obviously they're all below the radar, but they're getting up every – like I said, they're getting up every morning making films. And, you know, if you want to be a filmmaker, surely that is the key. Mm. That's what you want to be doing. And then I bet they're having a lot of fun, <laughs> you know. Um,
0: Probably. But anyway,
2: it's, yeah, it's it's a lot to sort of, it, uh, it feels like I, I've come to the end of a certain phase. Mm. And I need to yes sort of start the next phase. Mm. It's nice that I, I really hope the wilding happens because that'll feel like, you know, I've got a, kind of a legitimate screenwriting career starting as well right and hopefully i can get some screenwriting gigs off that which i'd like Mm. um (laughs) as well as doing my own stuff you know um but i I do think it's time to move on from these sort of diy shorts if i'm going to continue making stuff that's just making stuff hard man it's hard work the amount of work that went into the last film i stood there i did two night shoots Which, in the grand scheme of things, is not that bad. But I was on, you know, three o'clock in the morning. I was sorting this and that out and directing, and you know, having to produce and organize people at the same time. I thought I just sat there thinking, I should just all this amount, this amount of work is the same amount of work as I I'd probably have to do on a feature film. Mm -hmm. So if I just shot a few more nights, you know. If I've done all this to set all this up, yes. It just, you know, it just doesn't. If I can apply the knowledge that I've, I've sort of, or, or the thinking, the way I design stuff to do as simply as possible. If I can apply that to a longer form, shooting a few more days, a few more nights, then I think I could crack it. But you know, I've got to get that script right. Yes. You know. It all begins yeah,
1: there, as the once
2: um But I'm having a lot of fun writing this film, and um, it's uh, it's the most. Well, I was I was just about to say it's the most genre-specific film that I've probably written, and then I remembered the film that we wrote, <laughs> oh, which yeah. I think is very much the the um, yeah. very much the kind of. I'm thinking of, although I think we made that one a little bit too expensive.
1: Yeah, probably all the uh, the alien and and, uh, and and all that sort of stuff might um, might
2: push. Yeah, the- tell, tell the tell the world what it what it is.
1: Oh, one last <laughs> one last heavy whack. We're looking for Andy and I are looking for for anyone with with too much money and nothing <laughs> better to do with it than to spend on a wonderful, wonderful sci-fi comedy horror. Science fiction, gangster, gore fest, fun fest, <laughs> fest, fest, it's um, it's absolutely fabulous. It's called One Last Heavy Whack. It's Once Upon a Time in America meets uh, dog soldiers, meets cowboys, and aliens. It's completely insane. It's one of the greatest genre films never made. Um, <laughs> We're hoping to change that now. If you call in the next ten minutes, you know you just get one, you get two, plus a bit of steak knives, um, and an actually see does sure. well, um with your order.
2: Yep. <laughs> so yeah, we're. we're... I, I, it would be a lot of fun that film, Gangsters versus Aliens. I mean, what's yeah. not to love?
1: Yeah. Now it was. And, um,
2: um, it was a proper
1: treat writing that. It was. um at the time, it was a, a bit of a brush of, breath of fresh air coming off, uh, like when you come off a, a script, as you know this, and you've gone through uh, up to a number of drafts trying to get it right, um, and notes and all that sort of thing, and you're kind of ready for the next one by the time you're finished, because you kind of you, you start with all this enthusiasm, and then it gets into the nitty gritty, and then you kind of lose enthusiasm, and you're like, oh, gee, I'm tired of reading this. But um, yeah, so it came at a, it came at a great time and, and was a really uh, was a breath of fresh air, something uh, new and fresh and uh, you know stretched the legs a little bit and um, it's yeah. great
0: to be it's
1: great to be even though it's not practical in this business. it's great to be original from time to time and just let it all hang out you know.
2: Oh absolutely I think it's good you need that for your creative soul to, to, to move forward. You've got to, you've got to purge it sometimes and just yeah. go wild. And uh, we certainly went wild with that one. It was really fun. Yeah, no. Um, um,
1: yeah, no, that's it. That, that's and and I, I certainly look forward to, to maybe um, doing another one with you down the track before you get too famous. Yeah, talking.
2: yeah absolutely. absolutely that would be good. I mean, if I, if, I, if, I, if I can get one feature film – off the ground, then I'm hoping that I can get another, you know, my plan is if I, and then I like these guys that I'm talking about in, in England that are making stuff. They do want, and they, as long as they've got that, that, that template, that formula, correct. They just keep going. Yeah. They just Keep going. And I'm just like, well, yeah. yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? Yeah. I think when I, when I was younger, I probably had these lofty ideas and, you know, coming from my generation mm. of Gen X and having this old idea of this old empire idea of films in cinemas and, yes. you know, watching Spielberg and Lucas and growing up with all that stuff. And yeah, That's all wonderful and inspiring, but that's completely unobtainable and it's all gone now. Like it's a completely different landscape. Yeah. So you sort of have to reassess your. It's,
1: it's an industry that doesn't exist any, in, in some way. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. No so more. you have to reassess what you, you know, what your priorities are and how you're going to do it, and also reassess how you measure your own success. Yeah. Um, because they, this is something that a lot of people that don't really talk, creative people, rarely talk about. Particularly people who are – okay, what I'm trying to say is if you can get up every morning and pay all your bills by doing whatever creative pursuits you are doing or or you want to do, I think in this day and age you're a very lucky person. Like most of us, most of the people – yeah, most of the filmmakers and screenwriters that I know, the writers that I know, the novelists that I know, they're all all still working jobs because Mm. it just doesn't pay. Mm. And you're having to juggle so-called real life with this, you know, for one, for, you know, a lot of us, it's, it's, you know, a glorified hobby. You know, Mm. we want it to be so much more, but it's, let's be honest, you know, if you're not making money out of it, that's what it is. And to make money out of this stuff is really fucking hard you know um so anyway i guess the point i was trying to make was if you yeah if you can you know if you're able to do this then you've got to you've got to find those ways of sustaining the creativity like that's what people don't really talk about especially when you're having to juggle houses and kids like myself and jobs day jobs and then you come in at night and you do all that and then you've got to sit down after everyone's gone to bed and then try and rip it out of you <laughs> try yeah. and write try and, try and organize a film shoot while you're also you know picking up the kids from school yeah. I mean everyone does that but there are tr- they are real there are real tricks certainly I f- I find there are real tricks that I do for myself to to try and keep me in that creative zone. And it's not easy. Sometimes it really takes its toll and you just get burnt out. I was burnt out over the summer when I finished shooting Baby On Board. I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I, I had a few weeks where for the first time in a long time, I just lacked that drive, that ambition. And it scares me when that happens hmm. because it's my whole purpose, you know, outside of my family. It's my whole purpose. You know, if I'm not doing something creative, I don't feel right. So I get completely lost if that goes. I'm just like, well, what? now what I'm going to do? I just this can't, be, this can't be right. So sustaining creativity is a very tricky thing, and I think it's a key to 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 keep on going, there's a lot of people that I've known over the years that have just fell by the wayside because they couldn't sustain it, yeah. or they didn't want to sustain it because it's, it takes a lot of work. I, I mean, I don't know how you feel about that. Do you have you got? Do you feel the same way? There's a. It's very difficult to 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 stay in that zone when there's so many things against you. Yeah.
1: It is. It is. It's um. It's exceptionally difficult to juggle uh, life and work at the best of times, but when your work is, uh, in many ways, ephemeral, because when you create something, you're creating something out of nothing, and uh, you rely on a whole mess of elements that uh, are be completely beyond your control coming together into some sort of uh, delicious alchemy and. Uh, hopefully turning out well. How it turns out well, I don't know. It's a mystery. You know, when it turns out
2: well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. It, well, absolutely.
1: Yeah. But it's, uh, it's. It is a
2: mystery. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a tough uh, game. Um,
1: it's tough baggage to haul. But uh, if it's something that you love uh, with all your heart, and uh, you know, like Patton once said, uh, "I love it more than my life." Um, somehow, some way, you find a way, and you uh, you dig in,
2: and you keep on trucking, as they used to say. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've I've had this this in me from when I was a teenager, and I don't know where it came from. I don't know. Loved movies when I was a kid. Um, but when I became a teenager, that it really became a, a thing I needed to do. It took me a long time to figure out how to do it, but been, since I was very young, it, it's very, you can't shake it. Like it's it's an impossible thing to go away. But sometimes you do. You're just like, I wish I could just, you know, this constant thing driving me, you know. And, you know, I'm still on the same path that I started when I was 16. And sometimes I think, oh, I've done, you know, quite a bit. I've got, I'm really, happy with the novels that are out there um, films um i'm happy with what i've done and it's and the frustration of getting to this age and still thinking that it's hard
1: anyway andy we it's always great talking to you mate i wish you all the best with all of these projects that you've got coming up and more power to you my friend you're a hard worker you've worked hard we'll see we'll see the fruits sometimes uh, good things take time and you plant the seeds, so you might get some fruit well uh Keep, keep watering the trees. But well, thank you.
2: It's good. Great talking to you, Ken. Thank Always you, a mate. pleasure.
1: We'll keep everyone posted and have Andy back on again when he um, becomes rich and famous and before he stops talking to us. <laughs> thank you, Andy, for being on. it you,
2: Okay, pal. Take care.